Why does the US does not have such a network? Why is Europe partly falling behind? They had a technology back in the day. And the reason for the most part is that China does not have this lobbyism that you have in the West. People often reject to believe what they don't understand or what scares them. With Dragonfolio China, you have the unique chance to truly understand a frequently misconceived country and an inevitable shift in the 21st century. Just lean back and enjoy a fascinating journey through China that will astonish and reward you. Niemenho guys and welcome to the next episode of the Dragonfolio China podcast. My name is Eric and today I want to talk about Chinese trains, railway networks and related infrastructure which all explain a lot about China and its development. So why do I come up with this topic anyways? Well, recently I took the railway quite frequently, unfortunately not in China, but in Europe, mostly um, the Dutch, German and Austrian trains, which are not really comparable to China. But um, yeah, I had a nice, nice journey though. And to be honest, I was quite certain that I will be back in China at this time of the year. But well, I was too optimistic and uh, yeah, my return is further delayed. If you ask me now, I don't think I will go back to China this year anymore. Probably from October on, it would be possible, I mean, legally possible to go back for me. But I think this year is just, um, yeah, a bit a bit messed up. And so I will take things easy and slow and probably return to China um, in the beginning of next year, which I think should be absolutely possible. But, uh, well, I used my time and so I was traveling a bit in Central Europe mostly. And, um, yeah, as I as I prefer to take trains normally, they also reminded me of um, how good the train system in China especially is. I'm not saying the trains here in Europe are all that bad. It depends a bit on how lucky you are sometimes. Overall, the system is fine, but depends really on, on the day sometimes. And uh, so I thought hey, why not talking a bit about Chinese trains, which I always admire, which I find uh, very fascinating. And yeah, to start off with some interesting facts, a lot of people believe that China has by far the largest train network in the world. And that is incorrect because the uh, US rail network is actually considerably larger with a um, operating route uh, of more than 250,000 kilometers, it is almost twice as long as the Chinese one. Though the interesting thing here is that the US network consists basically of freight lines. 80% there are only to transport goods, not to transport people. And then if you come to passengers and high-speed railway, and that's what I will talk about mostly today, then China is by far the number one, around two-thirds of the global high-speed railway are in China with a length of around 30,000 kilometers. And besides the length, it is also the network that is most extensively used. Roughly a quarter of the world's railway traffic is in China. And um, to give you a number about the passengers, I think that is always quite interesting to imagine that Last year, in 2019, the uh, Chinese railway delivered around 3.6 billion passengers. 
and uh, yeah i don't have to tell you that this is a lot of people and therefore china is the absolute number one before india how did all of this develop well the real beginnings are basically in the 90s the infrastructure in china was booming where the total network railway network in china was doubling or more and this happened every single year for around 30 years so recently of course um, a lot of construction slowed down a bit because china reached a point where they don't need to keep building such a massive network anymore and what you found now is a very fast network you can go for instance from hong kong to beijing in under eight hours if you would take such trains in europe or america it would take you more than 40 hours it is very convenient and easy to travel i experienced many time myself because well it is super reliable in tradition with other East Asian countries, I would say. There are basically no delays at all. And uh, yeah, it's a very efficient way of traveling at the end. It is not cheap exactly, um, especially compared to other costs in China. So um, this, I would say it is even comparable to some European trains. I thought when I was in Germany and saw some of the ticket price, I found it even cheaper than in China. So you have to say you have to pay for the for the good quality. I mean, of course, um, building all this stuff was not cheap either. So um, you kind of have to pay for it. And for a lot of people in China, it's um, it's not like they can afford this every day and commute with such trains. Some use it, some use it occasionally when they really go from um, yeah one city to another, which is a bit further away. But uh, yeah, it's not for everyone. You also have to consider that China is the poorest country that has a high-speed railway network on Earth. But um, interesting now is why does China have not just such a efficient network, but why does China have such a large network just because they're a large country? I mean, there are large countries on this planet, larger countries, why China? And um, I think there are basically two reasons. One is... That is, well, after the world economy crisis in 2008-2009, after the Great Recession, China used the uh, railway network as a stimulus program. So it created a lot of jobs. Um, there were a lot, was a lot of money invested. It also pushed the economy and created a certain trigger impulse for a lot of economic activities. And then the second reason, which is the main reason, is that building a high-speed railway network and technology has been one of the major goals of Chinese state planners and they saw it as a, as a very crucial part of their integration of more remote areas and integrating the West. You have to understand that most of the growth so far in development always took place in the east and in these typical coastal cities like Shenzhen, Shanghai and there are a lot of areas and large cities which are not that developed and not that well connected and what China did here basically is yeah to build a network that allows these cities to be more integrated into China. You don't even have all the routes being fully packed all the time and occupied um, so that means, in other words, that the um, 
yeah, it's not always profitable to actually operate those trains, but it helps the regions to develop and connect. And that's the major target of this uh, China network. And that's nothing new. China always made huge investments in uh, infrastructure, um, whether it's highways, whether it's their, their aircraft, uh, their seaport. And then 30 years ago, they started to really push the railways. And interesting enough is that actually the high-speed railway did not really exist 20 years ago. So the high-speed network was only built, I think, around... It started around the Olympic Games in 2008, 2009. So it was actually the time where also the economic crisis hit China very badly. And before China didn't have high-speed networks like Europe already had in place, like France and Germany, Japan anyways. And um, so all this China network was just built in around 10 years, if you want so, which is quite uh, impressive. And so what does this already show us if China wants to implement something? They're going to do it and they're very ambitious. They're also less profit-oriented in many ways because a lot of these routes do not make financial sense, but they are very vision and long-term driven. And in some cases, they just value social benefits and economic growth ahead of profitability. What you can also learn is, well, you could ask yourself now, hey, why does the US does not have such a network? Why is... Europe partly falling behind. They had the technology back in the day. And the reason for the most part is that China does not have this lobbyism that you have in the West. The reason why we don't have these efficient networks in the West is partly that the automobile industry does a really good job in preventing it because they don't want that everyone uses trains. In China, a lot of people take the train. It's very convenient doesn't mean people won't buy cars anymore, but it's an alternative, especially for long-distance driving. And in Europe and America, where you have the big car manufacturers, they still want to sell their cars and they're afraid if the train system is too good, they're going to have problems with their sales. So this is why we have such shitty systems partly in place. And yeah, this is welcome to lobbyism. And of course... The airline industry also might have um, yeah, a certain weight here because for them, for instance, in the United States, it is very attractive because it's also a large country. And so most people either take car or fly, if they have for, even for larger distances, which is not common in China at all these days. The third thing that we, I think, can really learn from this is we always blame China for copying things and then just, um, yeah using them in their own country, which is actually not their their own assets. But, well, China definitely um, very early imported those high-speed trains or ideas or technology. They um, worked together with a lot of Western companies like Alstom, Siemens. Of course, they also made a lot of money with it in the beginning. And what happened next is that the Chinese train makers, after receiving all the front technology, are able to be basically self-sufficient and they can now or they did already implement the next generation of high-speed trains which are superior to the one that you find elsewhere now. So they simply have the capability to produce them themselves. However, what also is very interesting is for instance 
maybe you have heard of the Maclev train. The Maclev is basically the fastest commercial train in the world. Currently, it operates between the airport of um, Shanghai um, Pudong and the city with around 430 kilometers per hour. I used it a couple of times. It's absolutely amazing. And the uh, technology and the train is a German invention. Uh, but yeah, due to a, I think, um, quite unfortunate accident in Germany when they were still testing the train, they totally stopped operating it or they not even further yeah, continued testing it. And at one point, China just bought this train and now they use it. And now they even develop it further. They have prototypes of this train because they think about, hey, should we maybe do this for um yeah for longer distance as well because these trains can run around 500 600 kilometers per hour and now they want to um have the first uh yeah long high speed maglev line into commercial use by 2025 if i if i'm right we cannot just blame chinese for um taking our assets and stealing knowledge yeah, maybe in, in case you're not aware of what the Maglev exactly is, it's a magnetic train. So instead of wheels, it uses a uh, magnetic uh, t- magnetic tracks. And with this, it is extremely efficient and can go extremely fast. And if it works well, it's also supposed to be even uh, safer. So yeah, Chinese, Chinese apply these technologies and we'll see whether they even uh, are more successful with it than now in the future. And I think it's a great technology, but uh, you, have to, you have to use it. And uh, that's, that's, the, that's the key point here. So a lot of things regarding China's railway networks seem extremely positive. Of course, you have common issues like safety concerns. You had a lot of corruption scandals, but... Um, for me, one of the biggest risks is what is next? Because the railway network is built. There's still a few cities which they probably going to connect sooner or later. They have to renew things. They're going to maybe build uh, some extra tracks to increase traffic. But the same with a person. If I work for my whole life and then I retire, I have to keep doing something, right? Otherwise, I'm going to... Uh, my brain shuts down, I'm going to die or I do some stupid things. And the question now is what, what's, what about all these employees? What about these Chinese company after they built the network? Because they're not just consisting of service staff. There's a lot of construction behind this and a lot of machines. And, um, yeah, here is, um, here's the thing. China, of course, um, wants to, now build trains in other countries as well they already have signed agreements um, for instance in in turkey in latin america in southeast asia in in russia is a very famous project and some other countries like saudi arabia so they offer their services for countries who also need a development and infrastructure they see the chinese system they know it's good china can normally do it quite cheap Especially, especially compared to other um, leading countries in this area, like Japan or France and Germany, and uh, because yeah, China, China is competing with them because uh, the, these these other companies also manufacturers who are not just looking within their own borders, 
they want to go to other countries and uh, build build networks and yeah of course it's a great chance and uh, i think china is uh, very competitive here and has a huge chance to build a lot of other ne networks outside of china when we speak of belt and road initiative then well this of course also one part of it china has good relations with a lot of these countries and so when whenever there's a need to build such trains china is one of the first to knock on the door and offer help and um so i think this is what is going to happen in the next decades of course the next could be africa i think china built already a few tracks i'm not sure about trains to be honest but i know they're also engaged in these kind of projects in africa and i think this is what this company is going to continue and uh, what is what is coming what is coming ahead and i think it's quite interesting because many people don't see the railway as so strong they believe the future is some i don't know way more spacey or aircrafts completely take over or we're gonna have some new means of transportation but the railway is not coming to an end anytime soon neither in china nor elsewhere and this is something that china is well aware of i think more and more people are also aware of you have even some uh, let's say extreme projects like the hyperloop which is more than a railway network i'm not sure if this is really going to be ever commercially implemented and successful in a broader scale but it's possible and especially now with a lot of environmental concerns i think train the train is a is a great alternative to 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 airplanes and in china um, back in the day 20 years ago for longer distances most people took airplanes but now already more than twice as many passengers each month take train rather than airlines i think i didn't really mention airlines here a lot but we also have to say that there's a reason for that unlike the trains the aircrafts in china have a quite bad image they are they were often delayed in the past um, with a rate of around 70 percent and also they were never really cheap so it's it wasn't the the greatest thing in china to fly things got better however and that's a good thing the trains automatically created some kind of competition so the high-speed trains forced domestic airlines in china to um, slash their their prices and cancel more regional flights And also to offer better services and to operate more in time. Uh, to be fair, it's not always the airline's fault because the China, China's uh, flight network was just absolutely packed. Um, the traffic was increasing and increasing, but the routes are quite limited also due to military reasons. So yeah, it was just like, a, you can say, a traffic jam in the air that often prevented flights from uh, arriving or leaving in time. This, of course, also had a had an impact. And for instance, when I was in China last year, I always had the question, should I rather take train or a flight for a trip? And normally the, the rule of thumb is if the trip is under 500 kilometers, it makes sense to take the train for intercity trips. It is not necessarily cheaper. Often you end up with quite the same price these days. I don't think that's a coincidence, but I found it quite the same. 
but then you just save time because you don't have this um, very comprehensive check-in procedure and safety procedure that you have at airports. So in this case, it normally makes sense to take the trains as they're super fast. And um, yeah, with more than that, um, it still can make sense to take the take the plane. Also depends a bit on what you like because, well, China has a absolute beautiful countryside. And of course, you see way more of it when you are in a train rather than an aircraft. So it also depends a bit on personal preference. But I think it's interesting to know that you have this kind of competition and this kind of shift towards the ground again. And it's interesting how this will actually develop further, whether we see more, even more passengers in the future taking train rather than aircraft or car, which is an alternative as well, right? Would I personally invest in the Chinese railway network and the trains? Not really. Although the um, China railway construction company is stocklisted and the valuation is quite low, they are, I think they're profitable, but the debt is extremely high. That's certainly one of the um, negative aspects that you can bring on. The high debt for this, um, yeah, for this undertaking. But anyways, I wouldn't invest. And as you can see, when you, when you look at the stock price, most investors have the same opinion. They don't really want to invest in this business. Transportation business is a very um, special business and investment anyways. But it doesn't mean it's a bad one or it doesn't have a future. Just personally, I would not be invested in that. I think there are better opportunities in China than this. And uh, yeah, with this, um, I want to end up my episode. I uh, hope you found it interesting to hear about this. Maybe you have already experienced the high-speed network in China or elsewhere. And if you have um, any interesting stories or if you uh, have any comments or questions, please let me know um, in my LinkedIn post, which I'm going to make about this podcast episode. I'm uh, yeah, super, super keen on knowing your interesting stories and opinions about this topic. I personally have to say quite fascinated with trains. I don't know why. I find trains always, they have something very, uh, very unique and very, um, almost a royal touch. Maybe it's, sh it's still the little boy speaking inside me, but, um, yeah, I always found them impressive. And especially with the development, if you see, um, what a train nowadays actually is able to do. And how much it also helps us um, in our daily life and our infrastructure these days, then I think it's, um, yeah, uh, even uh, another reason to pay more attention to it. And uh, with this, thank you for listening. And I see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Folio China podcast. As you've kept listening until now, I assume you enjoyed the show and would appreciate a five-star rating on your podcast app, which allows other folks to learn about this important topic as well. For more fascinating insights into China and for easy ways to benefit, make sure to visit the website at dragonfolio.net and sign up for the free newsletter.